Well, the Olympics are here, and I've been watching a bunch of the different events. And I thought, Matt, I thought there's a, a time, uh, an event that brings our countries together. Uh, you know, your adopted country, and of course, the United States, where I am, and that's uh, yeah. that's swimming. So before we get into swimming, swimming. yes, okay. swimming. So, one, have you been watching the Olympics? Do, are they big in Australia? Is it? Are there? Do oh they have yeah, the Amer- yeah. Do they have kind of an Ooh. American sports feel, or is it a little bit like ratcheted down? Um. Well, it. I've got I've got like some technical problems on, on my side. So my TV, I tried to plug an antenna into it and I, I could not get it to work, whatever reason. And so all everything I have on my TV is streaming. Okay. Um, and you'd think, oh, well, that's great. You'll just hook up like, you know, your NBC Olympics package. Well, I'm blocked. I'm region blocked. Uh, so I went and paid for Peacock and Peacock shows a little bit of stuff. Not can't you just watch the Australian side of the Olympics? Aren't they televising it there like they do here? Don't well, that's the that? thing. I don't have an antenna on my TV. So oh, you cannot, I, and that's not a problem. So I, I can turn my laptop on and uh, plug my laptop into the TV and do um, you know, streaming Okay, streaming that way. And coverage is pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's it's good enough that you can usually pick between three or four live sports at a time. They have a little bit of recorded content. Um, you know. Uh, I think we have to delve into the Satana thing. Matt Ray, I mean, you can take an iPad I, I and know. turn it into an airplane. Like, how do you not have some type of you coat sound like hanger? my kids. How do you not have like a <laughs> coat hanger out a window to like some kind of illegal power grid that's like, you know, getting signals from, from far away places? Like what what's going on here? I bought a big ass TV and like this just in Australia has terrible electronics. <laughs> Um, they are, they are like, you know, the, the tail end of the electronics market. So they have a poor selection of highly priced stuff. And so I have this big 55 inch TV, the remote broke. And then of course, when I go to buy a new remote, they send me one. And then I go and like check the reviews on the remotes. And they're like, this TV is trash. (laughs) The remotes all break and it's not the remote that's broken. It's the TV. And so, you know, we, we literally don't have a remote for the TV. Um, but, you know, we still have the Roku, but we can't control the volume except by going up to the TV. Yeah, and all the family likes that. I we, bet. I bet the we, we can't change this. the inputs yep. to switch from, you know, the Switch or the, the PS4, you know, that kind of stuff. We, you know, that's all terrible. Um, what brand? I got like a million remotes. You want me to send you one over? I mean, it'll probably take three weeks. It doesn't to get matter. There. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's all the right. TV that's broken. It's not oh. the remote. Oof. That's the worst part. Oh, wow. The, I mean, the reviews are like, Stop buying these remotes. Ooh. It's not the remote's Costco fault. Costco warranty. You need to take fault. this thing back. You need to drive this thing back to Costco Australia and be like, you're giving me a new one. I, I should have bought it at Costco Australia. <laughs> they they probably were carrying name brands, but um, it is a Sonic with a C. Uh, what? With a Q? Where are you shopping? Know. Where is this stuff exactly. coming from? All the brands are things I'd never heard of. Okay. Um, you know, I mean... Yeah. So next TV will be probably like a Samsung or something, or, you know, some brand I've at least heard of. But I just went and I was like, they're like, you know, hey, 55 inch TV. It was the first week I lived here and it was on sale, like, you know, three ninety nine or something like that. And I was just like, that's awesome. And I went and bought this big TV and it was great for, you know, five months. And then the remote stopped working and it's been downhill the last five years. <laughs> All right, well, Matt. So, yeah, I should just go buy a new TV. I think it's time. But, I think it's time. All right, well, anyway, 
if you had been watching the Olympics, yes. or maybe you had been watching, I, I, we're watching some. We're watching about okay. an hour or two a day. Right? So my first question is this: So Katie Ledecky, yes. she's a very famous U.S. swimmer, and so yeah, the Australians don't like her. I know, and I thought we're gonna get to that in a moment. <laughs> but I want to start with this: It's like, granted, every I, a lot of disclaimers here. Everybody in life has different interests. Everyone in life is driven in a different way, and I completely respect everyone's choice. Now, my question to this is like, I was watching uh, the Katie Ledecky uh, when she was swimming with uh, 1500 meters, known as the metric mile, right? So the Ooh. race, swimming that, just to complete the race, takes about 15 minutes, right? So during the race, while we're watching her swim, and, uh, oh, you know, spoiler, she wins, right? But she, and she wins like way ahead. So, yeah, yeah. And I was seeing that. So they, they have so much time. Like, there's a commercial break. Like, I get up, I have a snack. Um, and then they actually do like a little like human interest story and they talk about how she started swimming at a young <laughs> age, of course. Uh, I mean, there's time to kill. Like she's just going back and forth, right. You know, 50 meters left. And so as, uh, they do this, they, they show, they basically show how much she was swimming per age. Like at, you know, at eight, oh, it was no. like X thousands of, uh, meters a week, then 10 and 60. And so of course it's just enormous. So they come up with this graphic. Where I believe she was, uh, she grew up in uh, the Washington D.C. area. So shout out, you know, kind of close to where I, I, I grew up. And they show the that if they took, um, they show that like if they total up all the the amount of swimming, is that basically they uh, they they superimpose it on a world map and they show her swimming across the Atlantic Ocean, down underneath Africa, up I guess through the Indian Ocean all the way looping around, all the way up to Japan, right? So they were just trying to say, basically, you know, she's been swimming her whole life to, like, essentially get to this. Yeah, so, yeah. so I don't know. I mean, it's so many th – it's like 20,000-plus miles of swimming. And, and then during the pandemic, all the pools shut down. So she somehow found, uh, I guess, a, a, a retired Private person pool? that yeah. had created, like, uh, just a swim, basically two swim lanes – in the back of their uh, like twenty five, I guess was it twenty five meter swim lanes, like in the oh back of their house, and, and they were set up with timing blocks. So she went over there, and she basically her and her teammate just practiced there. So, a couple questions I just want to have at this: It's like swimming seems like it's in it, her, the achievements are un incredible. That's just said. I don't think there's anything else to say. But I'm like, this seems like the most boring sport of all time, <laughs> right? Like you get in the pool. <laughs> And you just are swimming like up and back. Like I get it. Like I don't love to run, but like I understand people like to go on a jog. You're outside. You're, you know, you're it's just a little in scenery. scenery. Yeah. You can run in different places. You can like yeah. run different types of runs. I think you know hiking. You could say bikes. Obviously, in comp competitive sports, you know, like playing a game against a group of people and teammates. But I was like, who like. Where does this drive come from? And this, and in this case, she's been doing it since eight. And I know you have children, right? You've seen your children grow up. I don't think any of your children at eight were like, I need to go out and get my 5,000 meters in for the day where I'm just going to no, swim back no. and forth for hours. I mean, hours upon hours. In fact, when I was in college, I was thinking about this when I, my dorm just happened to be close to the pool. So I would just, when I was just walking to class, you'd be like, I'd look at the swim team. They're just in there swimming up and back. And then, you know, that would be in the morning. And then at, after, at the end of the day, around dinner time, going that you walk by, they're just in there swimming. So, so where does this drive come from, Matt? Who takes up swimming and is <laughs> You're like asking the wrong person? This, I just want to know: Do you have anything that's even remotely like this in your life, where you're like, you know what I want to do today? I want to swim for three hours straight, 
just go and up and back working on my form. Do you have that within you? No. no. Well, no. Um, I, I used to have a treadmill desk, you know, and I do a few <laughs> miles a day. But that was like, I mean, the only thing I can see is uh, for I, I like a couple years back, I had a, a herniated disc in my back and I, I swam a lot because that was one of the few exercises I could do. And I got headphones. So they do have like waterproof headphones. Oh, and, and I would you like, can, and you can swim with like yeah, 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 podcast yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. And, and it so worked? I would it put actually, on. It didn't. You know, it absolutely worked. It absolutely worked. So, um, for the love of God, I hope she's got that going. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, because because you know, I mean, right now I'm walking the dog about you know 45 minutes an hour a day and listening to you know audiobooks or podcasts and stuff, and and that definitely you know makes it a lot more enjoyable um but but at least you know there i've got some scenery you know the dog and, and all that fun stuff the pool is just like man that's like prison it does it does feel like that it feels like it's punishment. all right so then so i want to bring this in you know uh connecting our, our two worlds so then oh, i should hope in, so. in the 400 i think it's the 400 meters so katie ledecky is not as strong in that race she's more of a distant swimmer you know, here I am talking like I know anything about swimming. I'm just repeating stuff I heard on on, on the commentator state. But anyway, they, she raced uh, a woman from Australia whose name I cannot remember. And so anyway, it was it was an upset. Like you know, I guess a slight upset. The Australian woman defeated her, and um, she's probably by, tired out from that other race. Well, yeah. In this case, it wasn't saying it, but basically, you know, by like whatever a few tenths of a second. So, but the Australian swimming coach, have you seen this? Has this? Oh yeah, here? I saw that. He yeah, yeah. goes went nuts, berserk. I mean, out of his mind, berserk, right? I mean, if you haven't seen it, everyone, just search Australian swimming coach anywhere. And so I was thinking to myself, it's like, where does like this level? I mean, I get it, the achievement and all that. And I was like, this coach has found the wrong sport. Like his level of just craziness to me is, is it shouldn't be in swimming, right? Like it well, there, there's a be... lot pent up by watching somebody else practice for three hours a day. I, That's no, what's happening. Like, He's this, watching the practice. This like, is a man that needs ooh. to be a defensive coordinator, a high school football defensive coordinator, <laughs> right? This is a Ted Lasso moment for him. Like right now, if a, if somebody was smart, they would hire him sight unseen and just bring him over. And he needs to coach American footballs at some level. That is a man that is, I'm telling you, he has missed his calling. Like, I get the swimming achievements are great. And I'm, I was excited. I was excited for her. I was excited for, I was, I was just watching the show and I was getting excited. So that's what I want you to work on, Matt. I want you to go find that Australian swim coach and say, Hey, I found a job for you. You're coming over here. You're going to coach Westlake High School football special teams. And, and it, <laughs> I need you to make it happen. Either that or, you know, you can pick up a, an advertising thing, slot for Slim Jims or something, you know. This episode is brought to you by StrongDM. Managing a gazillion SSH database passwords and Kubernetes certs? Meet StrongDM. The only way to simplify infrastructure access and audit controls across any environment, no matter how diverse. StrongDM extends any SSO to centrally manage access to databases, servers, Kubernetes clusters, so onboarding and offboarding can be done in a single click. Escalate privileges with just-in-time access and automatically log every query and command. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi. StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com slash SCT. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash SCT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show.
Man, I scoured the interview, uh, the internet rather, for topics this week. I came across an unknown writer. His name is Matt Ray. He put out an, an interesting piece, a piece about uh, evolving infrastructure as code to integration as code. Uh, so, since you actually took the time to write up a nice article, I figured let's spend a few minutes talking about this. <laughs> and uh, my first, so, and I think you know, you're kind of, you are sort of the perfect person. Like your career sort of spans all of this. I guess not coincidentally. Um, and I think you kind of have a really interesting perspective. So let's kind of level set a little bit though. So I would say at this point, probably many of listeners are familiar with infrastructure as code, but maybe yeah. we should just start like level set. What is, okay. what do people mean by infrastructure as code today? And like, how are people doing it today? So, so infrastructure as code is the idea that how your servers and you know, infrastructure are configured uh, is backed up and source control and managed through app uh, through you know files through um, version controlled files. So when I go to stand up <clears throat> a bunch of servers in the cloud or data center, I say this is the template that I want you to use. Um, go and deploy it to a hundred you know Windows twenty sixteen boxes. And make sure that they all have, you know, SQL Server and this version of the application and are in this VPC. And, you know, that's the kind of setup that they have. Uh, and, you know, there are, I, I guess we're on like third, fourth generation tools, you know, started with your CF engines and gave way to, you know, Puppets and Chef. And, um, and then later, tools started focusing higher up in the stack about like, well, it's not just the server, it's provisioning, it's making sure the server gets created and making sure that the server exists inside a, you know, a, a network um, that maybe it's going to have some storage or some security groups. And that gave way to uh, uh, tools like Terraform um, and Pulumi is kind of later on and, uh, you know, uh, CloudFormation from AWS. And so those tools, you know, for those of us infrastructure as code, code purists, you know, you've got the config management, which is focused on the servers, and then you've got provisioning, which is focused on everything other than the servers. Um, that, that's a line that I think people would say is blurred now. Or am I? Am I it's still, it, 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 no, no, no. It, it's kind of blurry because you know, in Terraform, you've got the the concept of provisioners, and um, provisioners in Terraform are the things that configure the servers, and so they do a handoff. They're like, hey, you could just run this, you know, cloud init script. Or you could hand off to a more full-featured tool like a, a, an Ansible or a Chef or Puppet. All right, so and maybe, Ansible maybe does blur that line. Since we yeah. have you, the expert on here, because I think I'm just okay. I'm gonna throw it out there. No, no one needs. Don't attack me by saying this. I think most of the time, though, when you talk about infrastructure as code, if you just say to somebody like, "Hey, like, what are you using?" I think a lot of people just say Terraform. They'll just say, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And yeah. They'll just be like, and they won't, and that's it. They'll just be like, "That's all we use." So, so for the uneducated, like. If you're using Terraform, why should I be using one of the tools you just mentioned? Like, oh, sure, sure. Um, because uh, the Terraform provisioners for setting up the servers uh, are, you know, they're shell scripts. And what a shell script doesn't give you is lifecycle, right? It just says like, I'm going to, and and this gets to the subtle differences between um, uh, imperative and declarative. Right. Imperative is say, says, go do that to those machines. Right. And it doesn't really care if like, you know, oh, 
um, the machine did it. And, you know, five minutes later, it failed. And that service isn't running anymore. You know, you told it what to do. And it did it for the, you know, for that life for, you know, that five minutes or whatever, but then it, it didn't. Um, and declarative is you saying, I need this machine in this state. And so that reconcile loop is kind of what tools like chef and puppet do. You know, they're, they're checking in periodically to converge that infrastructure and make sure that it is set up the way you said it is. And Terraform does that for, you know, Hey, has there been any drift in, you know, do I still have, you know, 50 Linux boxes standing up inside my VPC? Are my security groups still in place? Is all that all still there? It'll do that sort of drift detection, but it doesn't know anything about the servers. And, and so that, there, there is definitely a hard line there of like what's happening under the server line. And that's the domain of you know, con- config management and provisioning is above that line. Ansible is kind of blurs that line because it tries to do both, but it's very imperative um, where, you know, it, and, and I'm sure the Ansible purists will say like, oh, it's not, but I mean, it, it still is a lot of like just firing off commands and hoping, think, hoping for the best. Um, because that's how a lot of people do their infrastructure. They are like, I stood it up. I'd never go back to it. And, you know, that works for some cases. And the way you get around that, of course, is by having uh, a pre-built image that just works or you have a, you know, and now we're moving right, into like, all right, but hold containers. on, before we get there, let's, let's yeah, recap because yeah. everyone, because, you know, I got you, got you fired up here. I like it. So it's like, okay. So if everyone knows, like, if you're just using Terraform, that's probably okay. I mean, that's not bad, but let's just like just as a, a public service announcement be like maybe go look at some of the config management tools and just what you said there right it's like the reason is you want to keep your applications right actually intact you want to prevent configuration yeah, yeah. drift inside that server right so i think yep. we'll just we'll just kind of like land so probably a lot of people get all of that they know all of that stuff if not hopefully they've enjoyed matt uh, ray revisiting his old life so now <laughs> So now, Matt, now this is kind of where we're going to the future, though, is where yeah, you're yeah. headed. It's Here's like, the okay, future. Here's now, the future. the future is, hey, let's just get out of all of this, right? Let's get out of, um, if you will, all this config management. And I think, I think you're going to lose to, like, yeah. containers. So now, now take us to the next level. Like, how, how do we escape this world? Keep well, going. Well, yeah. So, so, so the way you escape, um, you know, dealing with config management drift and, you know, worrying about a, a server that's been up for, you know, five months, like getting messed up and losing that state is you start moving your state out of the machines, you know, external databases um, is, is the you know primary place, but uh, you, and so we started, you know, I don't know, 2011, 2012 started talking about, you know, item potent infrastructure and you had Netflix coming around saying like, Oh yeah, you know, we bake a VM and the average life cycle of our VMs is three days. And, you know, at the time people were like, Ooh, that's crazy talk. Right. Because what they would do is they just like, they'd rebuild their application and, you know, these VMs were stateless. They didn't really keep anything on the box. And, you know, and then 2014 Docker kind of shows up and reminds people like, Hey, you know, you, you know, we have this idea of stateless infrastructure of, 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 you know, not having to, to keep the life cycle inside it. Let's boil it down to your app is in a container and your state lives somewhere else. And then you don't have to worry about configuration management. And, you know, I actually had a, a, a debate, I think at uh, DevOps Days, uh, Austin 2015, um, about config management versus containers. And I was like, there's space for both, but, you know, config management is shrinking. And, you know, 
maybe it's not shrinking, maybe it's just plateaued because, you know, the amount of, of everything everywhere is still growing. But, you know, ideally, um, the less state you have to manage, the better. Uh, because it's hard to reason over things that change. You know, we're not even to a three-body problem yet, but um, things that change are hard to understand. And so if you can keep everything in source code and you know it's all versioned and it doesn't change over time, that makes it really easy to think about stuff. And then, you know, kind of Kubernetes came on the scene and brought the idea of containers even further, where um, Kubernetes is based on the idea of control loops, where you have these controllers that ensure that the state of the system you've declared is being enforced. And so they periodically go and say, you know, hey, is this pod of, you know, 15 containers up and running the way I configured it? And if not, you know, or, or are there three instances of it running? Are they on the right, you know, affinity pools, you know, whatever. It ensures that those states are going. And so it doesn't really care about state. It, it's willing to like toss any sort of life of that VM or sorry, the life of that container, it's willing to throw that thing out in response to, I have to maintain, you know, this uh, declared state. And so that's where we are today. You know, that's what Kubernetes is, is saying, like, look, you know, we don't know, we don't care what your VM, your container has been doing. We don't care what your application has been doing. We just wanted to match this state. And so, you know, and so, tools And that's like, really where I think that's kind of where, we, you know, as you kind of think about it, I think the idea of like, you know, to your point about like, Hey, config management is no longer that big an issue. Right. Cause if you build, build your containers, right. And essentially make them immutable and you're running them in Kubernetes is like, you know, it's like, Hey, we're just going to keep checking. And if there's a problem, just, yeah. you know, this is, and this is of course, because this is a technology uh, cloud podcast, I'm obligated to say something like, don't treat your servers as pets, right. Treat them as cattle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Is where, this uh, is JJ's and nickname comes from. And then from. we get into yeah, yeah this no, is pets and cattle and ants. Yeah, right? yeah no SSH yeah. JJ. We give people nicknames. So anyway, that's where all of this comes from. It's like, hey, we yes. just and of course, and you know, that's sort of we're kind of making fun of that. But like, really, the reason you know to to, to let's put on the uh, the business uh, hat for a second. The reason we care about all of this is that if we do all of this, we can scale, right? That's really what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. I no longer have to have teams of people, sysadmins logging into machines, looking what's going wrong, you know reconfiguring things, uh, things like that. I just Kubernetes and the magic of this is, is constantly checking, if you will, like uh, killing off uh, in quotations there, the, the containers as necessary and redeploying them and rebuilding them on the fly. So that's, that's right. why I think, you know, if, if there's a reason if why everyone was excited, whatever, when all this came out, it was that it was like, Oh, finally, like we don't yeah. have to constantly do this. We've got a system that will do us for us all. So that's probably where most of us, are trying to get to, at least I would say in my day job, like most, that's like, this is where that's everyone wants yeah. to get to. Right. It's like, no, I would, and I'm just going to speak like most people aren't there today. That's okay. Right. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah. We, we even did it. We said Netflix. So just penalize us. It was our fault for bringing it up for the millionth time. We won't say it again. In fact, we will say it again, but you know, it'll happen. But like, that's just one example of one that's doing well. Most people aren't there today. So, all right. So with all that said, so now as we look forward, Matt, Paint the picture of where do we want to go? We got our containers and we yeah, got our so Kubernetes. We'll, Things are working better, but it could be even better, right? That's what you're going to tell me. That's 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 the goal. So so Kubernetes brought this you know stateless nirvana to the masses, <laughs> and, and obviously that's why we have something to talk about every week because it's uh, uh, nirvana is unevenly distributed, and 
you know, but so we're we're living in this kind of post-state world where, um, you know, the reality is most uh, infrastructure is distributed. It's it's you know, there's obviously still people in data centers. Um, there are uh, people in cloud. There are people in containers. There are SaaSes. You know, there are you know people using Salesforce or Datadog or you know what have you. Um, some of them are multi-cloud. You know, I know that's a, a dirty word, and some of them are hybrid. And you know how you tie all these things together becomes um, the, kind of the next step, uh, because obviously you know you've you've achieved Nirvana, but it's very localized to your Kubernetes, right? Only this is the the state of things that are happening, and you know, but you're living in a in a world where your state exists outside your infrastructure it's streaming it's moving around and you need to capture that data and events and so that's what that's what we're trying to do at TriggerMesh is we're providing um what we call cloud native a uh, cloud native integration platform we want to help you tie all those things together so you know you're taking data from you know a database running on oracle cloud and you're tying it to you know salesforce events and you want to push it you, you want to consolidate that data and push it into Datadog or something like that, um, or toss it into an S3 bucket. Well, moving across all those things and keeping track of them right now, the way you do it is uh, with YAML, you know, because that's the, the lingua franca <laughs> for Kubernetes is YAML. And, you know, what I just described is a, it's kind of complex. Um, the reality is that's like thousands of lines of YAML. And um, so what we've come up with is a um, an integration language that we call Trigger Mesh integration integration language, and it's based off of uh, HashiCorp's HCL HashiCorp uh, config language, which is the basis for Terraform. You know, so HCL is the the engine, and you know, uh, TF you know Terraform is an implementation is you know uh, a domain specific language that uses HCL. So we are a domain specific language for integrations that uses HCL. So all the benefits you get of Terraform, uh, you would get for mark for describing your integrations. Um, it's versioned, it's in source control. Uh, that means you can plug it into your CI/CD, of course, and understand. Now, what is it going to deploy now? Like, this is the part. So I, I got all that. Yeah, right yeah. So, that's so, like, so how, how are you actually going to run this thing that we've now uh, our integration, so, if you will, that we've built in source code? What are we going to do? Right, right. So, so the domain that we are in, um, we have a concept of of what we call bridges. Bridges are sources. You know, it's coming from a database. It's coming from Kafka. You know, uh, Kinesis, what have you. It's a source of events and data. And then we have targets, which are where you want it to go. Um, and then in between, in, inside that bridge, there might be routing and transformations. You know, transformations say like, oh, you know, your cloud event has all this extra data. We're going to strip that out because Datadog only wants these three points, right? Or, you know, your stuff is all munched up and, you know, this we're sending it from, you know, a, a SQL, MySQL to Postgres and, you know, the columns are slightly different, you know, so we, we can do transformations of that data on the fly. Right. Um, and then routing is like, oh, it came from here. We're going to pair it with this event and we're going to send it there. All right. But break it down. Or, what do I have to, okay. So I got it. I got like here. Like <laughs> so those here. are the primitives, I, right? You have those. I got it. But know, I've five, run some Java code. Primitives. I got it. Like it's, it does, it takes a little bit of this, you know, whatever it takes some JSON makes it look like this other JSON and people are happy. So I got my, like 
my uh, three classes you, I've you've written. Got, you know, you, what do yeah, I have to got, do? I got my, I don't because I don't want to deal with all this. I have my you don't want to write the three YAML, Java right? classes that are fantastically written, and I just want to deploy this so it gets going. Yes, make my life so easy you, now. you you you've taken your Java mm-hmm. and you've put it into a container, um, and you've followed uh, you know the guidelines for for uh, creating um, you know a, a source or a target or a router and. What TIL is giving you is the ability to describe that bridge, that source to target and whatever, you know, routing um, to take that, which was literally like, you know, thousand lines of YAML and turn it into, you know, 20 lines of config language that says, you know, my source is this container with this name and, you know, this version and this metadata. And, and then over on the target, we're saying we're taking you know, that's, you know, we're going to link to that source and we're going to send it to this data dog with this, you know, uh, developer key. And, you know, so, you know, we've taken what literally is a thousand lines of YAML and turned it into, you know, 20 or 30 lines of config language code uh, that is HCL, which means it can be templated. You can have external variables. Can I run variables. this like it's functions as a service? Like where, where what do I have no, to no, do? No, 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 no. So this is, still this is literally, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, for now, this is literally describing what those connections are. Um, we're going to Kubernetes and telling it, "Look, you need to instantiate because because those functions, you know, your your grid, your source, and your router, and your transformation, and your target, those are actually containers running inside of Kubernetes or, right. or functions running in Kubernetes, you know, either or both." And um, so we're literally just saying like, hey, Kubernetes, go stand that thing up that we've just described and keep it running. And, you know, this is the state we want enforced. All right. All right. And that, my friends, is how you get integration <laughs> as code. Is that the end That of the is story? the future. That is the um, future. But let's like, let's come up a couple levels. The reason we did all of that and the reason we went through all of that was like, hey, when we started this journey like 25 years ago. Everyone was logging in and building their own servers, right? And then we went through config management and Terraform and then Kubernetes. But now what do we really care about as the business? We care about these integration points actually happening, right? And I think that's what you just described. Just like now you have your integration checked into GitHub and it can be easily rebuilt so that so that my right. beautiful so, JSON so- parser can be easily deployed as needed. <laughs> well, yeah, because because the reality is, you know, you are working in a uh, multinational, Brandon, and you need to deploy your JSON parser across 10 availability zones. Absolutely. And, Damn you know, right when I you do. start thinking about doing that by hand and, oh, you know, there, you know, oh, there's a new version of, uh, you know, whatever JSON parsing library you're using and you need to redeploy it. So, yeah. you know, being able to make those quick iterations without, like, you know, messing it up. Well, and, or, and, and yeah, it's all the benefits of infrastructure. And that's what we were talking about but, before. Like, cause I think we do, like, we always talking about like, why do we talk about this stuff so much? It's like, cause when you get it right, I mean, as you're kind of joking there, but true, it's like, Hey, when you have to deploy these things in multiple places and keep it up and running and, you know, you either have to have a team of people doing that, or if you get to the point that you can embrace these concepts, which we should again say, infrastructure as code, integration is not easy. It's not easy getting there, right? It's not as simple to get there. But once you are there, this is what lets you scale. And then, of course, um, this is then what lets you get uh, compared to the Netflix. Oh, I just did it again. Yeah. I just said it again, Matt. I just, I mean, I cannot stop myself. So You can't stop. So, so yeah, so so the goal is, you know, we've introduced uh, TIL, TIL 
um, trigger mesh integration language. We want to make it easier for people to deploy these integrations. Um, you know, right now it's focused on deploying to Kubernetes, but um, there are some other places that you know, do integrations that aren't Kubernetes based and, you know, maybe, maybe they'd like to adopt this standard as well. Um, so it's just like Terraform can work across multiple clouds. Um, you know, right now, of course, we're focused on uh, Terraform, I mean, uh, uh, Kubernetes, but, you know, if, if somebody wanted to do this like native for AWS or something like that, we'd uh, love to help you. Um, but the goal really is for people to use these levels of tools, we need to make them more accessible and YAML, Sorry, it's not very accessible. And you know, so this is the first step of you know how how do we make it um, easy for the you know the operator inside the large enterprise who's told, hey, you need to send our stuff from our native in-house application to you know uh, Grafana, and they're like, oh god, now I got to go figure out how to do all this stuff, and you know, but. What you we want to do is that. just say you solved it for them, and I'm just going to say this. Right? This, is, this is a step on the solution. You, you're you're yes. close there, and I'm just going to say, you know, it's like, you know, Katie Ledecky loves swimming laps, and Matt Ray loves talking about making things source code. So there you have it, everyone. <laughs> that to each their own. She uh, has the Olympics, Matt. You have this podcast. I appreciate you taking us through that. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. All right, Matt. Well, our good friends over at uh, GCP are back at it again. You, you specifically, have often commented that uh, Google likes to, uh, if you will, end of life many different things. In fact, there's a whole website. I feel like you should have started it, but someone else started Killed it. Killed by Google, right? yeah. Um, and so, but I guess as as everything, every reputation has a cost. So it's come out that um, you know what they have done this week. Google has basically made some. Uh, announcement. I think that they're really directly trying to appeal to you, Matt. I think this was just to you. I thought of you in it. And it's basically their new API policy that promises stability and availability. So I think yes. this is a direct response to like people make fun of it. Like, hey, they're going to kill kill it all. <sighs> and so yeah. my question to you is, upon reading this, were you 100% convinced that Google will never, uh, or sorry, I should say GCP, not kill anything off? And are you a convert? Do you have 100% confident that everything you need will be there? Was this what you needed to see from them? Uh, no. I, I, I mean, 
<laughs> Spoiler, no. <laughs> it, 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 it's definitely nice. I mean, you should... The sad thing is that they have to spell this out, right? That these APIs are not going to change. I Did they actually give like a, a life cycle? You know, what... Well, I think they still have a bunch means. of guidelines that either, you know, they will support the APIs and if something has to change, they will essentially incur the the cost, whatever that means. Yeah. You know, they'll yeah. incur the burden of, you know, making it work going forward. I don't even know what that means, but... Mm-hmm. Don't um, you think this is there- just curry on in the office, like... I, I'm just not having this anymore. I feel like he was just like, this is like one level above, like, I'm just like, we're putting this out. I'm, I, I've yeah. made it. This, this feels like, and I'm sure they're, they're developers. Like, I'm going to make it. He's just like, I'm, that's it. I've decreed it. And they're like, hmm. Cause I, I mean, there is that kind of feel to it. Like, did everybody, did all the Google engineers or GCP engineers sign off on this? Isn't there like a little bit of like, hmm, I'm not totally sure. Or are we just too skeptical? Maybe we're just too skeptical. <laughs> well, but the skepticisms aren't. Um, I mean, you know, they, they've, they've killed lots of consumer products, um, on the, on the, you know, Google cloud APIs and stuff. Um, I, I actually haven't like put in the time to, to run anything on it. I, I, you know, spoiler, uh, as a developer advocate or, you know, DevRel kind of person, you don't actually run a lot of infrastructure, (laughs) (laughs) but I do think we should hang around people who do we're in the, um, but this is, I think, you know, we're in the strategy room, right? And it's like, yeah. so Curion is pissed that how, people- How do we stop Right, because yeah. I think this is how it goes down. We're in the GCP staff meeting. It's not going well. Because, you know, the, the VP of sales is like, listen, I'm out here. I'm trying to get hey, done. we had a great quarter. But yeah, people, he says something like this. 591 million. People, but, but he's getting hammered. He's like, why are we doing more? Why are we doing AWS numbers? So I think he says something, uh, I should say, the salesperson says something like, well, you know, there's just a lot of hesitant. A lot of people don't believe that we're committed, right? And I think this is where in that meeting, Korean starts writing this. It's like, well, th- that's it. We're issuing a press release because that's sort yeah. of like what he can do and what he control. But if you look at the earnings, because I think the earnings are really giving you the guidebook about what it is. The headline of the earnings that all the investment analysts is one, you know, Google made an impossible sum of money. Let's just start with that. I don't know. It's just incredible billions. But the call out you, you, you mean You mean Google made the number three in the market impossible yeah, sum of money. I mean, it's just so much money, it's hard to do it. But, like, but the call out in there was YouTube brought in a record $7 billion for the quarter, up 84% year over year. So none of us say, no one ever says like, huh, I wonder if Google's going to kill YouTube. At no, like, if anything, yeah. it's the opposite. What people say is, I think YouTube should be spun off, or YouTube is a bigger business, or YouTube, like, YouTube is so valuable. People are like, huh, I, I almost think we should take it away from Google, uh, whether that be a government or people just want it to run outside. <laughs> but, but the point is, my point is, like, that's the answer to this problem. It's like, at no point are we thinking to ourselves, YouTube's going to get killed off because it is. One, it's incredibly popular, but two, it's financially, you know, uh, you know, an imperative, if you will, go, go um, to Google to keep this running because it's a it's a huge cash cow for them. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's the thing that, like, I think that's probably the frustration inside of GCP. It's like, you know, today, and just to give the number, Google report, Cloud reported revenue of four point six billion dollars, up fifty four percent year over year. Now that on the face of it, fantastic. Like, like who wouldn't want this yeah. business? Like, yeah, give it to me. I'd run it. And this is fantastic. Right. Uh, but the second line here, the growth rate is slightly above what Microsoft posted for its Azure cloud unit. However, as Microsoft's effort is considered to be larger than Google's own, uh, 
own in revenue terms. Investors might have anticipated a larger growth rate, right? So that's really, that's the part. That is the killer thing that I'm sure upsets the GCP management team. It's like, and because, and I think if we were just to finish the sentence, it's like, well, if you're running Alphabet, if you're the, you know, uh, was um, the CEO of Google and the board of directors of Google, it's like, hmm, I can keep doing this. And you're kind of growing at what almost any other business would be happy with, but you're not really growing at the rate of your competitors. Oh, but, but they're still losing money. That's, that, that's what was nuts to me. It's yeah. Like, and they also wow. hear, but they did say, to be fair, it said uh, Google Cloud cut its operating loss from $1.4 billion uh, in the year ago, Q2, to a far more modest $591 million deficit. So, so yeah, so that's the thing. And I think that's the, like, the part about this, and I think it's kind of interesting to see them in parallel. It's like, it's great you can put out the press release, but even the CEO of GCP, like you don't have the power to change this, right, when you look at the earnings. Like the earnings tell you where the company is focused. And the only way that you're really going to, if you will, put this out of people's minds is to have the top line um, number or statement out of the next future earnings say something like GCP brought in $10 billion and right. grew at 90% and is, you know, double what AWS and Azure is like, that's the answer to this question. I know it's not easy. I'm not sitting here and telling you I can do well, it, but this is what I would have said in the meeting right before being fired. I would have said something like, we need to double down <laughs> on if we want to, to convince people, we got to sell more we got to do whatever we can have to do to get these customers in here and show that we have success. And that's going to lead to the numbers. And when the numbers show up, the reputation will follow, right? That would have been, and then I would have been yeah. escorted out of the building, my beanie taken away. And I would have drove, driven home been Not like, maybe beanie. I should have just said something like, I think the press release is a good idea. That's how that meeting would have gone. Yeah. I mean, the problem is as long as, as long as they're in the red, you know, as long as they are losing money, there is this itching, you know, and, and, and it's probably not Google people saying it like they're, they're like, you know, did, did, uh, did that uh, story about Google, you know, going to pull out of the cloud business if they're not number two, did that come from Google or is that, know. you know, I mean, come from Microsoft? It's or, not, yeah, you know, it's not, I mean, that's, you we know, need a good, we need a sourcing on that. Yeah. yeah. As long as they're losing money, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how big the business is if you're losing money at some point you know you can't, that's not sustainable you know google's got several money fountains to to keep things sustaining for a while but you know rational people would be like huh maybe we need to cut our cost and you know in the in the cloud game you can't you you either are in it uh to win or you're out you know there's no you know Well, the only other thing, you know, again, in our strategy session here would just be like, you know, where the statement comes from. Like, you really need this to come. You can't come from the GCP management. Of course, the GCP management is going to say like, oh, we're never changing APIs. You need somebody on the earnings call, kind of, you know, Google board of directors, you know, whoever, Google CEO, you know, the founders to come out and say, we're committed to this business. We believe it's going to be you know, exponentially well, growth, be. but no. like they don't say, that's what I'm saying. Like you're not seeing them say, like, you don't like, you don't hear them say that in the earnings. You don't right, see that right. as a call out. Right? What. So that's what I would have put asked me on for. the Google board. Put me on the Google board. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me, and put, I'll put out let that me send a Slack request for that. <laughs> let me just get that in real fast. Yeah. Can, can you chat off me onto the board? Um, <laughs> cause, cause yeah, it's like, you know, this is, this is an existential thing, right? If, if Google doesn't have a cloud, 
they're seeding that, you know, what do we say, $61 billion quarter. They're giving that to Microsoft and Amazon and to a lesser extent, you know, the four, fifth, sixth place people. And, you know, you can't do that because, you know, it, it has all these other ancillary things that come around it, right? There, there's just like, oh, well, now, you know, these other business that might have had natural affinities to our other money making things like, you know, YouTube or, uh, you know, Google, Interpre- uh, the, you know, office apps and, and stuff like that, like those, they're all tied together. You know, they they are part. This is this is the heart of their ecosystem. Um, you know, maybe not Google's ecosystem. They they still have the uh, advertising. That's their heart. <laughs> but but this is like a vital organ. <laughs> and and you know, their cloud business is too big to fail, or you know, to to give up on. And it's 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 sufficiently large where you know, I I, I am confident in Google's ability to. Uh, turn a profit on this now that doesn't mean um for you know a permanent profit but you know the 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 trend lines are in the right direction that eventually they will stop losing money probably um will they catch up with microsoft unlikely uh but you know that's going to have to be good enough. You're going to have to enjoy being third. Well, but I think it's kind of um, like what we're and making about. a ton of money. Yeah. Right? Well, I think a couple of things. I think your point is like, I, I think the commitment you said is like, this is just a business that's too valuable for them to like not be in. I think that's maybe the, yeah. the statement. Yeah. Put aside the API thing. It's just sort of like, whatever. Like we know you're, you're going to stay in it. And then two, I think, you know, everything is always setting up the, the next competition, if you will, in the spirit of the Olympics exactly. here. It's like, you know, you just took us through like infrastructure is, code and integration is code. And obviously Google has a big hand in Kubernetes. That's where it kind of all started. So, you know, as, as we kind of continue with, uh, the cloud to just like take some more cliches, it's like, Hey, it's, isn't it now we have to say something like it's the early innings of cloud adoption. Like lots of things are going to change. So it's nothing to say that like Google isn't going to be well positioned as new development models, new technology gets, um, created. So I, I, I look at it like, I think GCP, like the other clouds really good. I mean, I think, you know, I think most of the people, honestly, if you can get everything working in the cloud is it's, that's really where you should be concerned. Can I actually convert my organization and, and embrace some of these concepts and get real value out of it? I would say that's what you need to be worried about. Not whether or not GCP is going to, going to be there for you. They're going to be there for you. But having said all that, I did think the API thing, I was like, oof, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, so we wish them well. All right, Matt. Final topic that I want to hit on <laughs> we today wish them well. is uh, the developer ecosystem 20, or I should say, it's, what, who did this one? JetBrains? Uh, the state of the developer ecosystem. It's uh, the 2021 infographic. So a couple things here. A couple things haven't changed. No, no surprise here, I don't think, right? Um, JavaScript remains basically the number one language. I don't know. I don't think anything's going to displace JavaScript anytime soon. Like, do you see anything changing? Like, what could even change that would get everyone to do something different? I, I, you know, I I think the, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, if we went back in five years, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, nothing's changing. But we had kind of Go and and Rust kind of come out of left field. And and Kotlin is, is, uh, um, you know, not new, but you know, rising in, in uh, popularity. I, there's that, not a ton of, of change at the top, but, you know, the, what's interesting is, of course, you know, the, the waves of new stuff that come in and, and uh, pick up 
All right. What about the um, things that have like kind of because I think some of these, at least one of these, I think is you're very uh, familiar with. Ruby, Objective <laughs> C, Scala have all decreased in popularity. In oh, years. yeah. So Objective C, of course, that's basically been replaced by Swift. I think that's yep. you know that makes a lot of sense. That makes sense. But Ruby, yep. you know, Ruby had a heyday, man. You know, it's like it well, feels Ru- like yeah, it feels like. It's not a swan song, but it's like it's it's definitely you know it's, it's becoming it like classic rock. A long like, time ago, we're yeah. gonna we're, we're gonna hear. Are you sad? Are are you like? I I you know I love myself some Ruby, uh, but <laughs> um, you know uh, things change. It it was uh, I mean I I did a lot of Ruby over the years, um, but I'm not doing Ruby anymore uh, in my my day job, and it's uh, you know it's a lovely language. I wish it well. We'll see you. We'll see you on the classic <laughs> rock station. You know, yeah, but you know what? No. The, that, the the thing about that classic rock is uh, it's still raking in the money. It's, it's still in production. It hey, listen, you know, like everything, it doesn't mean we're not going to see it. It just means we're going to see. You know, you know what? You know, and, 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 and you know what? My 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 kids, they're singing along to uh, to uh, Stevie Nicks, and uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's, uh, right. it's retro. It, you for know, them. It, it comes back around. It's Ruby's true. coming back. It's true. Yeah. Now the they're thing is, Guardians of the Galaxy three. <laughs> The thing that's surprising, I think I say this every year when I read the survey, it's like, wow, on the development environment. So Windows, Windows is still the number one operating system used by developers at 61%. So, I mean, it's obviously, it's it's a pretty close race there between Unix and Mac OS, but I am, I'm just, this just tells me how insular my world is. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I just totally. like, I live in a world where like, I just don't, I mean, oh, developers I'm talking about. I just, I just, yeah. everybody I know has a Mac or they've taken some Dell machine uh, and made it into uh, they bought the unit. What is that thing? The Unix or the, the red hat. I can't remember the Linux uh, Dell laptop that everyone likes. Right. And Sputnik. Or yes. But it's, name? that's the code name. We even Started know. Barton, I can't remember his, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone buys that thing. And I was like, those are the only things I see. So, so clearly this is a reminder to me. I live in a very insular world. I need to go outside and like meet other people. And then final one I wanted to point out here, man, I'm going to read this because I feel like this is written just by you. Rust yeah. remains a language that is primarily used for hobbies. 67% oh. personal slash side projects. The share of Rust developers using it for work is only 16%. So I know you love yourself that's, some that's Rust. That's a big percentage. Yeah. What? I mean, I'm, I'm actually in not. What world? Now, that, uh, look at you. That, no, that's a big percentage when you think about where it was five years ago, right? Um, it's, you know, it's still in the early adoption stages. Uh, it is a systems language. You, you know, you can't expect. That's like, you know what percentage of people are like, you know what I'm going to do in my free time? Some C++, right? <laughs> Nobody does that, right? And that's the market that Rust is going no, after. No one does that. And, and you know, we've, we've seen, uh, you know, Rust has, it's been embraced by by the big big players. You know, you got AWS and, and Microsoft doing a lot of Rust. And did it make um, it, is it going to be approved a, by the Linux kernel or not? Yeah, I, that's what I was about to say. You know, it's um, Google pushed to get it uh, approved for the Linux kernel. I don't think it's in yet, but, you know, Linus has said, you know, that's cool. If you want to do it in Rust, I'm open to that. Um, a lot of new stuff is happening in Rust. Uh, you know, it's, it, but, but the point is, is like, at no point, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put this flag down <laughs> on the ground. I'm like, JavaScript, you're safe. <laughs> right. At no point is Rust coming after the high level languages. It's, All right. well, it's listen, coming our, after the C and C++. Because we're, you know, we're basically a pseudo investment podcast. So this is what everyone should do. You need to uh, short Ruby, take out some short oh, options on Ruby uh, and go long Rust. That's our trade. That's our programming uh, language trade. And we expect to, you know, we're going to arbitrage uh, that and like, if there and maybe we could get uh, 
uh, Matt Levine to like create us some type of financial instruments that allow us to bet. I mean, I mean, I don't know. We're just a, a yeah. stone's throw away from some NFTs where we can bet on all of this. So that's yeah, exactly if, if it happens, that's what we think everyone should do. Yes. Go, go long. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruby is that enterprise that people look at and they're like, how are they only making three $3 billion a year? <laughs> you know, everyone feels so bad for them. Right. And they're like, you know what? There are a lot of really productive people in that $3 billion enterprise. And they've got some customers who are really happy. And you know what? Sometimes you have to be happy with $3 billion. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's part of life. All right, man. We got a bunch of feedback this week. So quickly want to give a couple of shout outs to, I sent stickers to Michael in Massachusetts. And I've also sent stickers to Evan in Massachusetts as well. He um, does recommend cheap topologies and he uh, wrote some stuff about um, why it makes more sense. And I thought it was good. It's basically, he explained streamlined teams to me, um, platform teams, and kind of explained it in, in more detail. So Everyone, it sounds like you should check out Teams Apologies. There's some good stuff there. Now, Nate from Slack, because uh, we are a gaming podcast now, he recommends Oceanhorn 2 in um, the Apple Arcade. So if you have Apple Arcade, because we talked about, I think, a uh, previous episode, it's a like hard-to-find game. So um, I gave this assignment to our uh, contributor, my son. I said, download this and let me know what you think. And he is still playing it. And he is a very, very finic uh, finicky game uh, selection, I guess I should say there. So he really likes it. So I'm, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I didn't, it's a like, uh, I guess the other thing I should say, it's like Zelda. So if you like Zelda kind of games, yeah. then you should check it out. So I played it for maybe like 30 seconds. Like I, I had to do something else, but he tells me it's really good. So Oceanhorn 2. Now I know you don't have Apple Arcade, right, Matt? You definitely don't have that. So that no. we're going to lead uh, Kote to that. Also, my, my kids are excited about the Steam Box, though. They, they want one of those. All right. Well, we're going to get a review of that. Like, really? We are, we are the right. Internet's number one gaming podcast. A lot of people don't know that. Don't worry about it. We'll get to, the, we'll get to that <laughs> soon enough. Also, I want to congratulate to everyone in the uh, Software Defined Talk Slack. The thread is now over 5,000 messages. So there you go. Congratulations oh, wow. to everyone. Um, it's, it's been great. Uh, I think rumor has it that Slack starts to break down. At around twenty thousand messages in a thread, I don't know. Like we have, I think we have plenty of headroom. I think we're way, way ahead. But, but if something goes bad in the thread, Discord has been listening. I don't know if you follow oh, okay. this, Matt. Discord, they are adding threads, so they are clearly coveting they're, our business, right? They, they're courting us. They, yes. they want us to come over, but we're not leaving. We're not leaving. We're 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 longtime Slack users of the free plan. We will continue to use the free plan until it completely <laughs> breaks. The free plan until the free plan's not. I mean, listen, enough. if there's someone from Slack that was like, we had that free upgrade for 90 days, it was great. We could go back and see the history. We could actually go back and see what it what some of the 5,000 uh, messages were in the thread. But now we can't. I mean, like, the the long play here is for the 5,000 you know message thread to choke out everything else in our in our Slack. I mean, that is the only goal. It. That working, is the only goal. And then people it. be like. They're like, hello, is anyone here? And then the message just gets deleted. And they're like, you know, the thread is all. Well, I'm just throwing out the slack. If you guys want to give us a free upgrade, you know, we'll take it. Otherwise, you know, we're open for business here. We're not we hear we're, you, Discord. We're, we we hear yeah. we hear you, Discord. We like what you have, but we're not we're not making a move yet, right? We're not we're not changing conferences. Well, shout out to the people that know what that means quite yet. <laughs> all right. Also, finally, I want to uh, say congratulations to replicated.io. We had uh, Grant on the podcast a few weeks ago, so everyone should go listen to that uh, 
an interview. They raised, I think, $50 million. So, wow, they must be doing well. Matt, you need to call them. They probably need to learn a little bit about, uh, you know, integration as code as well. So check that out. And then finally, I hope uh, those that attended the that conference um, got their stickers. So appreciate uh, everyone that got stickers. And some people posted them online, which, of course, I like to see. That makes me feel fantastic. Now, conferences. Uh, looks like if Cote were here, he would say uh, they're going to go have spring one on September 1st and 2nd, and then uh, DevOps loop on October 4th. You got any conferences you're going to promote, Matt? Any, are you uh, doing any virtual stuff? Uh, yeah, we're doing a, a webinar for uh, DevOps.com. Uh, going to be talking about TIL. So uh, I'll put that in the show notes. I think that's coming up August 4th. All right. Fantastic. And now, Matt, what is your recommendation this week? So, um, you know, it took me a long time to come around to Spotify. Uh, you know, I've got, <laughs> I've got probably 150 gigabytes of MP3s. Um, I've just got a lot. Wow. But uh, the other day, so Christmas, uh, we, I, I succumbed to the family plan because the rest of the family is on Spotify uh-huh. and, uh, and, you know, we're listening to Christmas music and they kept interrupting for ads. And I was like, this is bullshit. And so I, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I got the Spotify family plan, but I finally started using it seven months later uh, for something I've been paying for, for the rest of the family. And, you know, I, I, there, there's still things that I listen to that aren't on Spotify, but I was listening to some, uh, uh, just like some reggae while I was working. And, uh, you know, down in the, the corners of the reggae genre is, is a style called dub. And I have like one dub album or, you know, maybe, maybe a few more. And I was like, I would like to listen to more. And so that's what I've mostly been listening to on Spotify is like, really esoteric stuff where I'm just like, I don't want to go buy even more of this. Um, so lately I've been listening to uh, uh, King Tubby, uh, which he's been around for like 50 years and, and dub. And they've got like, you know, dozens of, of his albums. And I, don't, I can't tell you which ones are good, which ones are not. I just put them on. And the whole point uh, for me when I'm listening to music while I'm working is like almost no words and, you know, not where I have to actually think. I just, ambient sound uh, background sound yeah it's, it's yeah. ambient sound and mm-hmm. and you know so if you like uh you know kind of slow relax beats um and uh kind of spacey that's uh that's my jam is uh go listen to some dub music on spotify start with king tubby i'm sure you'll find more stuff that, that's right. my pick are you gonna stay on spotify spotify has has it won a, a lifelong subscription or are you still <laughs> i'm sure it? we i'm sure you know it, this is not up to me <laughs> I like it. So like it. good. Congratulations, man. I appreciate, you know, you finally getting on the streaming music. I was pretty late to it too, but you're, 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 you're super late, man. That's, that's old school, dude. If you're still buying, that's, that's just crazy talk. But the thing is like, I'm still buying stuff that, you know, Spotify I, I, doesn't I, have everything. The things I'm buying now are mostly on Bandcamp. I, yeah. Well, I mean, then, I, I can't, that's stop a different, you. I, you know, different I, world. You know, you're, you're, you've gone, you've gone your own way on this. I, you know, I wish you the yes. best. Uh well, this week, a couple of things. One, I, I forgot to mention before, but hey, if, if you want a sticker, uh, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I'll be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And uh, I read all the emails. I get them all. Happy to do it. So don't be bashful. Send me a quick note and I'll send you a sticker. Um, and because in Cote's absence, I thought for sure, oh, we can talk about sports and we can talk about true crime podcasts, right? And so I'm going to recommend the criminal podcast. Uh, the episode is 48 hours. 
I won't say much about it other than I just thought it was a riveting story. So if you're into true crime, I, I like myself a lot. Of, I like myself a good true crime podcast. I find it very, it was two episodes, which is great. So yep. it's basically about, you know, if you do a double speed or like one and a half speed, you're probably talking about a good hour. Um, but it, an incredible story. And it kind of always reminds me of, uh, I'll, this is not a spoiler by any means, but it's just sort of like, man, bureaucracy. Bureaucracy gets in the way of everything. That was like my biggest takeaway. It's like when you find yourself up against bureaucracy, you're probably going to be defeated. So so on that positive note, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank all the streamers that watched us. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye. In a world of crowded podcast landscapes, one podcast has dared to cross the line. <laughs> <laughs>